Hey everyone, Uncle Tickles here. Thanks for listening to New Dad Season 1. The next episode should be our last official episode with uh, the idea being maybe we do an election special. Uh, Season 2 will launch January 1st, 2021. Season 1, it has taught me a lot and humbled me in a number of ways. I uh, have some lofty ambitions for Season 2. I can't wait to start working on it and can't wait for you guys to all, to all see how New Dad evolves over the years. Uh, some house cleaning to do. Servas Leroux of South Africa is the winner of our toy cat giveaway, uh, which is very serendipitous. Uh, congratulations to Servas. He, he was the winner. Uh, he didn't know this at the time, but um, a few weeks before he actually had his son, but he uh, just had his son recently, I think this week. So congratulations to Servas for uh, the toy cat and also the, the, the new baby boy. Um, I wanted to also give our listeners a reminder um, as the days start to become shorter, uh, you know, we turn our clocks back later this month. Uh, also, it's an election year that's draining mentally, emotionally, if you're on social media. COVID seems to be revving up for its second wave and with that is gonna come more restrictions. And that's going to coincide for winter for a large part of the country. Um, make sure you check check in on your friends. Uh, it's easy for all of us, uh, you know, myself included, to get stuck in our little bubbles. And that's uh, lyrically and metaphorically. So uh, let's do some some check ins on our pals, even the strong ones who, who you don't maybe think need to have uh, you check up on them. So don't forget to do that. And lastly, don't forget to vote. Um, very important. And I'm sure you've heard it a million times and from people that, uh, you know, are going to carry a lot more weight than myself. But just in case, uh, you know, I'm that uh, little nudge you need to to jump in and do it, uh, go out and do that. As Prop Cause famously says in Muffuggers, sit your sorry ass on the ground until you stand for something. I think that's a, an appropriate time to say, Prop, Hello, hello, hello. This is Uncle Tickles, back from the dead, probably looking quite dead, uh, ready to resurrect this pale, bloated body that is New Dad. As always, this podcast is for only the most horny and beautiful people on the planet, so if you are not really horny or really beautiful, please turn this off now. All right, it's just us beautiful, horny folk, ready to continue on with the what is normal series? This is part two. Before we get to Aziz and River, we're going to recap. Uh, this is our version of, in case you missed last week, I was joined by Aziz and River. They shared their life stories. Uh, Aziz, the host of History of Westeros, one of the most popular Song of Ice and Fire related podcasts in existence, uh, 
told us about how his mom and father met while members of the Children of God cult. This is a, a cult from the 70s. It actually still exists today, um, but was, you know, probably most popular in the early 70s and was a, a Christian hippie cult that encouraged sex with children. Uh, Aziz's mom became pregnant at 16, and although just being 16 was uh, smart enough to get the fuck out of the cult, they really never looked back, and Aziz grew up not knowing his dad. They set off uh, on a pretty nomadic lifestyle while his mom pursued you know, the, the academic ladder in the, in the realm of classical music. So little Aziz, never lacking love or the essentials, uh, moved up and down the East Coast for pretty much his whole childhood and uh, settled in Tallahassee, Florida around high school and, and set some roots there, uh, attended high school and college, uh, you know, and really credits uh, his mom having grown up in a military family, uh, we talked quite a bit about that as, uh, you know, what allowed her to provide him with a tremendous amount of uh, consistency, despite a very inconsistent, um, you know, at least uh, geographical in inconsistent childhood, uh, you know, and, and he also cited uh, the fact that she had a tremendous amount uh, of discipline and, and, and really when you hear him talk about her, it, it's a, it's a, it's a great work ethic as well, which is not surprising knowing how hard, uh, you know, Aziz and Ashea work on, on history of Westeros. So you see where they get it. Uh, River uh, is the chieftain and Volva of the Hell's Gate heathen kindred. And while I did know her story was, was pretty wild um, and, and she had seen some shit, I was floored by, uh, by some of the details that she shared in part one. Uh, in an unexpected parallel to Aziz, River's mom had her at 16 as well. Her early childhood, by her own account, was magical, despite uh, growing up without a father. Another parallel to Aziz, uh, which I wasn't aware of. And her mom uh, then finds heathenry, and, and that helps foster and grow this sense of magic that River describes from her early childhood, uh, until heathenry leads her mom to a boyfriend who celebrates some of the darker sides of heathenry um, that do exist, and um, and, and that spirals into drug abuse and quickly on the heels of the drug abuse comes child abuse. And, and before she, River can really understand what's happened to her life, you know, she's gone from dancing with fairies in the woods to, to getting the literal shit kicked out of her. Um, you know, she eventually emancipates herself and uh, after some wandering and soul searching, uses that pain as something to push her forward um, and, and really drive her to become a better version of herself. And, and I think that is something that a lot of other people, uh, you know, they would have allowed that trauma and pain to become an obstacle, uh, you know, versus a, a motivation, motivating factor. Uh, so when part one ended, River was actually explaining to us how over time um, her mother beats addiction and, uh, you know, they reconcile their relationship and, um, and left us with the bombshell that her mother actually identifies as as a man so um you know i'll i'll actually let river kind of take over and pick up there uh here without any further ado river my mom lost hope because my mom secretly identified as a man um my parent is transgender and has actually now gone through uh surgery to become 
you know, the man that, that my parent wants to be. And so my mom is now my dad. And um, that's, you know, pretty unusual, <laughs> you know. For sure. Um, you know, and I had to come to terms with that. You know, I always knew as a child that my mom identified that way, you know, and that my mom no. struggled did you, really hard. Did you always know that because uh, it was just apparent to you or, or was it something that, uh, you know? No, my parent talked to me about it. My parent was very open with me. My parent talked to me about a lot of things um, because my upbringing was unusual. There was a level of honesty and openness that was, you know, there before the drugs, you know, that, that other parents don't have with their children. You know, I knew what sex was, you know, I knew what it was for. I knew that it was sacred and that it was a beautiful gift that you get to share with whomever you want, you know, but you have to be like old enough to deal with it. Right. You know? Um, you know, and, and then my parent used, started using drugs, and I retreated into escapist behavior. I want to ask, because, you know, and, and I originally planned on only asking Aziz, because I, I wasn't aware that you also grew up without your dad, but I'm going to ask Aziz first, and we'll come back to you, River. Um, yeah. You know, the main reason I'm doing this this podcast is because I want to be a better dad for my, my own sons, and um, as someone who grew up without a dad, what advice would you give to me? Um, you, you know, and I know that probably seems counterintuitive to ask someone without a dad, but um, also, you know, I imagine that you, there's times you spent thinking about, you know, what it would be like to have a dad or what you would like out of a dad. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, the, I guess there's a lot of like specific um, ways that, we interact with society that are gender-based that a mom can't really help with or doesn't have the firsthand experience. Not that you can't help with, but doesn't have firsthand experience with is maybe not the ideal teacher for that. And my mother being young, I was like doubly unaware of some of these things because she didn't, she wouldn't have experienced them on either end. She wouldn't have been witness to them as much, let alone having the personal experience. Uh, so I guess things like, like specifics, there's things like um, confidence is a big one that comes that a lot of boys learn from their dad. So I think having that example is really important because I learned that through some of my, my mom had like a couple of long-term boyfriends. So that was a good proxy. Um, and, um, yeah, just like having two parents, I think it's not just the, the gender of the parent that matters necessarily just having, it's just a big job. Right, so just having uh, one parent who isn't exhausted all the time, or no, not necessarily that's exaggerating, but having not having the, the, the that pressure of having, you know, the concept of shifts and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know just like taking the load off, like one parent can have a break. Like when did my mom have breaks? I'm thinking back on that, like uh. Yeah, when did she have breaks? Like sometimes with those weekends, she left me with another family. Uh, those were part breaks for her. And I'm like, you know, thinking back on that, I'm like, good for her. She needed those breaks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even though I could be just left alone, you know, I was reasonably independent 
um, that's still like not having to worry about it, just having the house to herself or something like that. Well, I'm sure that was nice occasionally. So those are kind of things that like indirect effects that it's hard for me to speak to, but I can, I can identify them without knowing what the impact was saying, like if there had been a, a second parent there, then my mom could have spent more time doing this or been a little more relaxed about this because she had more downtime for herself or uh, maybe it would have impacted her career. Like she already worked really hard on that. She's had a very successful career, but for all I know, it could have been even more, you know, uh, well, I, think, <laughs> who knows? I think it's very interesting that, uh, you know, I ask you this and, and your immediate thought goes to how having a dad around would have helped your mom and you're not thinking about how it could have potentially helped you. Yeah, because I'm it's that's exactly like I, I'm You're always thinking about your mom first. Well, it's not just that, it's that I don't like I can I don't know. You know, I don't know what it would have done for me. But I can tell like that's more a structural thing. Like emotionally I'm not describing how my mother would have felt or what it would have done. It's just more like clearly I, she would have had more time for this or that. That's 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 just easier to see from a structural logistical point of view. Um, for me, yeah, in terms of me, like maybe who would have, if I had a father would have taught me how to do more things, you know, I would learn more skills because it's just a second person right, yeah. who's teaching things that's going to have different things they know. And if my mom, my mom taught me lots of things, a second parent would have taught me lots of things too. I don't know what the things would have been, but there would have been things. There's just another adult. There was room for me to have had more parenting. And that would have been, you know, because there was plenty of non parenting. So, assuming that's good assuming it was good parenting right yeah we're, we're taking that for granted i guess but that's a fair assumption um that it, it, i just would have had i just would have learned more things and uh i don't know what they would have been like I, m more knowledge more uh maybe i would have learned more about picking something at random cars right. i don't know that much about cars maybe my father would have taught me about that i don't know mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of dudes seem to know about and i don't know <laughs> anything about cars uh, carpentry, right? <laughs> Maybe you would have been a carpenter. Um, yeah, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Just things. I don't know what they would have been, but I would have had, I mean, it may, and it would have been at this, like, instead of maybe reading, uh, which, so it wouldn't have necessarily been good. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I, how did your mom talk about your dad as you were growing up? Was it something that she was very open about or was it something that, you know, that was kind of a, a sore subject for a while? We just didn't talk about it at all. No. Like we had that, it was like that Understanding. Uh, military code of silence almost. Um, like it just, it, things just weren't talked about. It was, the stoicism was the, was ran deep in my family because I think of all the military generations. So problems were not, dis problems were aggressively not discussed, not aggressively, but, but distinctly not discussed rather than delved into. My mother has later in life become a fan of things like therapy but it was not really, uh, it was more like you're supposed to push yourself and, and work through it. That was more the attitude because that was, which is as, you know, obviously that's a very military attitude to have, just like fight through it, you know. Bear it. Yeah, exactly. Be stoic. So I still have that a lot. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that about myself sometimes that I, I, I should um, not just do that, not just be stoic, be like, no, this bothers me, you know, <laughs> things like that. Totally. Uh, so, um, and I think that's where some of the, the is, is typically from what I've read, 
is more typical from something that, that boys learn from their father is learning assertiveness. And mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't consider myself extremely assertive. Um, I'm independent for sure, but not, uh, but, but not because I force my way away from other people. Just, I just kind of do my own thing and it works out. Um, so that's something I would point to. Um, but yeah, it's just really hard to, to know, like I can compare myself to other people, but I can't tell what if, you know, I can identify differences between me and other men, but I can't necessarily say that that's because of parenting. And even if it was like, well, maybe that's a specific father and not just a father. Well, yeah, no. And that, and I was just more looking for advice you would give to a, yeah. a potential dad out there who's, who's looking to better himself. And as someone, you know, who was maybe absent that if you had some, you know, just, and, but, but, but it sounds like spend time and, and teach your kid what you know, you know, and I think that's maybe one of the biggest, you know, things that we can do as, as a parent, right, is spend time with your kid and, you know, you're going to be more, most passionate about the things that you know, you know, you know, the deepest, right? Um, it, yeah. Isn't that what Kurt Vonnegut says, right, about what you know? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think it's true. Like what you said, I, I, it's, it's more, uh, I think, um, being an example is really important because it's natural to look up to the parent that is more like you. And so a boy is going to look up to his dad more than his mom quite often. So, uh, you know, in a normal, in a typical family situation, not normal, typical family right. situation. Um, and that, so being an example, yeah. So everything like you're, you're like a, the kid is going to absorb far more of your behavior than you think, right. you know, it's going to look at, it's going to model far more. Like if you think we're all, we're all told that relentlessly that kids copy their parents, but I think it's even more true and it's true in ways that we don't see because they're perceptive in ways that we don't realize like kids, we think they don't notice things and they don't, but they also notice things that we don't realize they're noticing. It's pretty incredible Absolutely. because they're, they're so attuned and so ready to learn that the attitude of, of children being like sponges is something that even though we've all been through it we forget like what that was like just being like i will i can take it all teach me everything i can i i'm ready for the fire hose like later in life you know, like, much. i can't take all this at once but kids are like yeah i can do it give it, to me, give it all to me and even if they don't keep it all they'll be like well let's do it again <laughs> Then I'll get it, you know. Yeah, that enthusiasm is really powerful. So it's it's really it's something you can leverage. I think as a parent, if you look at it as as like a a resource, you say, "Look, these children have such enthusiasm for learning. Take advantage of that. Give them things to learn. You know, challenge them, but like in a you know in a in a happy way, not like a you better learn this kid." <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and and River, what about you? You know, I think that the most important thing is is that you're just there, you know, ultimately. Um, my dad missed out on experiences and memories and, um, you know, opportunities. And my grandmother, his, his mother, very much regrets, you know, her position of, of, you know, don't marry that woman because she's not Jewish, you know, um, to this day, there's, there's huge regrets. And it, it stems quite, you know, firmly from the fact that, that my dad wasn't there. I did have a dad in a way, you know, because my mom, being transgender, 
really did fill both roles act a lot more like my dad <laughs> you know and my dad being who he was i mean my my dad my my father you know um not being around my biological father not being around you know my my mom stepped up into that position my mom taught me how to work on the car my mom taught me how to change the oil and the spark plugs and change your brakes you know my mom taught me how to shoot a bow and arrow and a gun and you know those are things that your father would traditionally teach you how to do um my mom did not teach me how to do my makeup (laughs) i don't know just you know if you can be there be there for your kids you know they will appreciate you for it. Yeah, I think that's pretty simple, and I think it's something um, that is easy enough for most of us to take to heart. And no one should really have a hard time understanding the that presence is an important part of being a parent. Um, we'll we'll, we'll kind of go to these uh, unusual upbringings and the effects that they can have on children. You know, we talked uh, specifically about how it's affected us in some very specific ways. Um, you know, I, I've always been interested with this idea that, um, you know, when you look at a lot of famous people, uh, people who are extremely talented in, in a given um, industry, you find they have these unusual upbringings. I, I had a couple that I had, uh, you know, I have Richard Pryor on my shirt here, um, who was born to a prostitute and a violent pimp, uh, Charlie Chaplin. Um, you know, famously was kind of left to fend for himself at the age of, not just himself, him and his brother at the age of 10. Uh, his mother was insane and his father passed away. Uh, there's just, uh, <laughs> Aziz brought up the, the, the children of God cult, but, uh, you know, there's the whole Arquette family. They were uh, part of a commune. Winona Ryder uh, grew up in a commune. Glenn Close uh, grew up in a cult. Rose McGowan and Joaquin Phoenix, the, the children of God, uh, you know, uh, Jim Carrey and Jewel were homeless at different points of their lives or living out of a car. And, uh, um, you know, there's these examples where you see these uh, unusual in, in I, I'm very cautious to attach the word trauma to unusual because it's by no means a correlation. But I, I do want to talk about this idea. Is this something that you guys have ever spent any time thinking about the connection between trauma and inability? You know, and we'll get into the pop culture examples because I think those are very heavy and there's some very near and dear to our hearts. River, you look like you have some uh, something to say about this. Absolutely. Um, you know, trauma and hardship go hand in hand with unlocking ability. Um, since ancient time, I mean, it's part of the heroic cycle. Um, Joseph Campbell talks a lot about this, about the, the heroic cycle and how to become a hero and, and how to become, you know, the, the hero's journey yeah. and what that is and, and the journey of, of becoming a shaman and becoming enlightened. Um, all of those things come from, from suffering and, um, you know, it has definitely led me to, to have what other people might consider some superpowers, you know. Um, I, I work in an environment that, that, you know, other people can't keep up with me. And 
I'm really perfectionist, you know, as a baker, you know, the bakery that I worked at was nominated for the James Beard Award while I worked there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a big deal. And it's partially because, you know, of of the the dedication and, you know, the the ability to just like transcend, you know, yourself um, that comes from hardship. Uh, I think my my favorite example of this is Arya Stark from A Song of Ice and Fire. She is totally 100% a child of trauma. She is a person who is subjected to watching her father die horrifically in front of her and then is separated from her family and further subjected to horrors and then then she meets, you know, the the older, you know, male uh, mentor, which I myself met, you know, and have a mentor, you know, who's who's very much my jock and Hagar. And so I felt very much, you know, like like Arya and how my traumas helped to shape, you know, the the skill that I, you know, took because because it pushes you, you know, those those feelings of like vengeance, you know, wanting to get back at my stepdad, you know, really pushed me to, to do things like learn how to knife fight, you know, learn how to sword fight, learn how to be a marksman, you know, learn how to be a demolitions expert. Why? Because maybe one day, you know, I might have an opportunity, but you know, luckily his name has been taken off my list. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm glad you brought up A Song of Ice and Fire. You, you know, Aziz, no one better here to talk about this trope in A Song of Ice and Fire. Well, yeah, I guess I, ha- I certainly agree in general um, that it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's difficult to, to speak to in some ways because it's so, um, it is really such a common part of stories that I think the, the reality of it kind of gets lost sometimes. Um, but it is like, to me, I, I see it as like, um, people being pushed beyond what they could achieve or what they would ever need to, to experience on their own. Like you never, you you can't put yourself in situations, uh, you can't manufacture situations like, uh, like these, you can't like. I'm going to go be traumatized, you know, <laughs> then I'm going to get powers from that or, or gain. I don't know, Aziz, like, have you ever seen like the, the uh, Indian mystics, uh, the, those guys, the Vedics are all into that. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. I guess that there are, there are real actual real examples of it, but it's not, um, I, it's, it's not, it's not the kind of trauma I was thinking of, but you're right. I guess that is. Yeah, I guess I'm more thinking about it from the upbringing side, where you can't really manufacture it that way. You're right. That's that you, true. All you can seek. There's certain. You, you, you're totally right. I wasn't really thinking about that, but yeah. Um, if if we can uh, cordon off those two examples and treat them separately, yeah. Um, so I guess there's certain kinds of trauma you can't. You certainly can't manufacture, but other kinds you can. Certainly, like the deprivation and and seeking out certain uh, challenges that way um extremes uh things like that yeah that that definitely pushing yourself i mean that's that's very uh 
I have a lot of respect for people who can push themselves really far towards making themselves better. That then that's the when that's the instinct or the motivation behind it. And that is so that's part of like right there. That sounds heroic, right there. Someone's out there harming themselves or experiencing something really intense and painful to make themselves better. Um, and it isn't just for themselves though, because if you're making yourself better to that degree, it isn't, you're not doing it for person, you know, for, uh, I mean, not for, not, to, not for standard gain. I mean, you're certainly gaining peace within yourself. So there is a personal gain to it, but you're not doing it for, um, selfish reasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems more altruistic. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, that's, that's, that fits really. Usually these people are, are intending to become better people for their community, you know, yeah. ultimately. You know, that is the, the hero's journey is ultimately that you return to your community and provide, you know, uh, provide the service of being the hero. You know, through, yeah. your, through your traumatic experience, you learn things that other people haven't, like, you know, how to deal with killing people. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like, it's so interesting because you're going somewhere else to, to ultimately try to restore some kind of status quo. So it's like you're going exactly. your new things to get back to where you were because, which is exactly. such a, I mean, that's, that's a kernel of a lot of philosophy right there. Like, especially like Taoism where you're just trying to be more childlike with everything, um, which doesn't mean you're trying to be childish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you are trying to like, those those feelings of joy and that learning like a sponge like that is good emulate that now the you know not you know running around not uh you know other aspects of being a child are not um necessarily things you need to emulate but but yeah like that's a, that's really neat um putting all those things together uh and and trying to learn from them that way uh as far as other examples in in pop culture i wonder about that there's it's it's true there's so many people that um we hear about who they're someone extraordinary and you find out that their backstory <laughs> i'm talking about real people when i say backstory <laughs> <laughs> that it's like it's something outstanding not necessarily in a way that you would call positive without seeing the results it's like oh that's a rough upbringing but then they did something amazing but then you hear about the fact that they had like two or three brothers and sisters that didn't, Did didn't go very well for them, right? Like, yeah, yeah they're the exception uh, to the rule, not, not the other way yeah. around. When you have, a, a, you know, something like the most extreme I can think of off the top of my head is like Genghis Khan, who like the situation that those step people were born into is unbelievably kill or be killed, right? They, you don't, don't have room for basic <laughs> kindness and sensitivities because like even his own brother was stealing from him, like life or death situation. So that is obviously an incredibly extreme example, <laughs> but it goes to show that um, what we have, you know, what we have uh, when when there's people that come out stronger through suffering, there's usually some huge number that didn't make it. And uh, that's why we shouldn't, romanticize these things but yeah. it's also why we shouldn't devalue them like when it happens you, you definitely want to identify the good and say that was good or that is good and you learned well from it but it's also like almost always it's a cautionary tale too um and, and, and you know for me like i guess 
the idea of how tra trauma can be transformative became more aware in A Song of Ice and Fire. You have a character like Bran, right, who falls out a window um, and is now crippled, you know, you know no, no longer has use of his legs. And it's through that trauma that allows him to open up his third eye. You have uh, Bloodraven is yeah. another example. Uh, you talked about Arya. It, Jojen, Jojen's another character who, you know, he got sick, right? And then was, after he was sick, he has the green dreams. Um, any other ones that I'm, that I'm missing that, that could possibly fit that, that narrative before I jump to a couple other pieces of pop culture that I really enjoy? Um, well, certainly, uh, I mean, Cersei is a good one. She's got, uh, it's supernatural trauma, but she has, you know, regular trauma as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, from loss of mother and the father, what it did to their father. So it really ruined their family, the death of their mother, the, who was the, like the joy in their family. You can really see that in their upbringing is that none of them are very... Uh, well adjusted. Whether it's Jamie, whether it's Cersei, whether it's None of them are happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, Jamie keeps, keeps having like continuous traumas, you know, including like, you know, having his hand chopped off and and you know and his journey into becoming you know the actual hero you know where he he believed he was a hero you know and and now he's actually becoming a hero you yeah. know through these traumas that he keeps experiencing i i totally george george really just like he understands trauma he understands you know childhood trauma. <laughs> for sure yeah the star children, children just handle their emotions a lot more maturely than the Lannister yeah. adults, which is really, yeah. you know, really telling because then that's all upbringing. And it's really, it is, you're right. It is really well done because it's consistent. And he noticed that the Stark children had both of their parents. <laughs> yeah. The Lannisters <laughs> only had one of their parents. <laughs> and, that, and he became like half of what he was. So it's almost like yeah. a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Missing that parent, you know, really did, I feel make a, a, a part of of why Cersei and Jaime and Tyrion, you know, all had, you know, this this like sense of like, you know, desperate longing, you know, that that came from missing that parent, you know, uh, Cersei and Jaime often talk about how, you know, having having that parent not be there, you know, hurt them. You know, and and you know, Tyrion often talks about how he wonders what his life would be like with that parent there. You know, um, what? And and all three of them are are, in my opinions, you know, heroes or anti-heroes. <laughs> you know, in their own respect. <laughs> well, yeah, and you wonder what Tyrion's upbringing would have been like if his mom survived his birth. You know, would Cersei have, have hated him so much? It, it, would Would he be more genteel? Exactly. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but yeah, even like Walder Frey taught, in, in, imbued some sense of family in his mm -hmm. some of his descendants. So even, and Joanna was almost certainly had more influence than that. So yeah, you could you could see it being just massively different. Like Cersei would have been encouraged to treat them their their family like a unit instead of the yeah material. instead uh, of a tool. Yeah. For to use. Agreed. I mean, in outside of a song of ice and fire, you can pretty much look at almost any comic book, right? And it's you know trans. A lot of those are transformation through trauma, or you know, even if it's just a radio. Yeah, look at Batman. Yeah, ra radioactive <laughs> spider bites. You have your parents being killed. Yeah. All sorts of uh, trauma-filled transformation there. Uh, just a couple other ones that you know stood out to me. 
just off the top of my head were Stranger Things. You have Eleven, um, oh, very much so. Uh, absolutely. One of my Firefly. Yeah, yeah one, one of my guilty pleasures. Um, and I know a lot of people found this very corny or cheesy, but the OA, I love that first season of the OA. It was it was actually okay, other than like the dance. See, season. I love I love the interpretive <laughs> dance. I, I I did love the. And then, and then one that's super popular right now uh, as the third season is out and people are devouring it is Dark. Um, Haven't seen it yeah. yet. German, uh, highly recommended. Um, Michael Clarkville, highly recommended. He does, yeah. One. Michael Clarkville, a beautiful soul and a former guest of the New Dad podcast, uh, recommends that as, as does a, a number of, of people from the uh, History of Westeros Facebook group. So uh, any other ones that we're missing? Um, just... Uh, off the top of your oh, head. the expanse. Oh, the expanse. Like seriously, totally. those, like it, it's not a modern, you know, story, but like the, you know, the the main character, he he nearly dies all the time, <laughs> you know, and people treat him like shit, and you know, he has to go through some hard things, and people think he's crazy, you know. Oftentimes, madness goes along with, you know. The hero's journey and and you know like bran and and the descent under the mountain you know into madness you know uh goes hand in hand with that hero's journey and becoming the hero oftentimes means you know um being able to step outside of yourself and outside of your own ego and trauma oftentimes what happens when you have experienced like really really intense trauma and I don't like to talk about this very much, and, you know, um, it's it's rough. But a couple of times when my stepdad was, you know, beating the living hell out of me, um, I had disassociative moments where I was outside of myself looking back. And I remember, you know, laughing at him while he was beating me, and it scared him, you know. Um having that separation of yourself from what's happening to you. You know, you are no longer affected by your feelings or by stimuli. You're outside of that. And that's that's what part of being, you know, the hero is, is you have to step outside of yourself in order to become something greater. And, you know, that's, that's Jon Snow's story. That's, you know, a, all the heroes' stories is stepping outside of yourself to become something greater so that you can become, you know, valuable to your community in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that, that also touches back on on kind of the, the root of why I wanted to talk about this, which is, you know, I think the mind is an extraordinarily powerful thing. And it's, you know, something that we don't understand a ton. Um, and, and, and you know, in part, I wanted to do this episode as as uh, someone who had an unusual, or I think is unusual, maybe, uh, unfortunately, as I, uh, you know, interact with more and more people, I find out it's not as unusual as I may have perhaps thought, which gives me some comfort and also, uh, you know, makes me a little sad. But it's that the way the mind copes with these things. And, um, you know, so part of it was, I'm honestly trying to learn as much as I can and be as, as good of a dad as possible. And I think that comes from talking to people from different experiences and, and trying to take what you can from that. But also, um, 
you know, part of the reason I wanted to do this, because I know there are some listeners out there who experience upbringing similar to ours. Um, a lot of it, you know, we don't have a choice in, but, uh, it, you know, we can choose to try to give power to, uh, you know, the things that uh, helped us become stronger and helped make us better people. And, um, and I think if you can hold on to those things and, and really try to concentrate on those, then, um, you know, that's a good starting place. And, and, and talk to other people, try to find people who have uh, similar experiences to you. I know that's been extremely helpful for me. Um, I, I wonder if, uh, if you guys would concur with I think that, that, you know, me being on, my, my life has been pretty much on the real far fringe. And so when I, when I talk to people, you know, it's, it, they're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, so, so I don't have like a lot to like, you know, like, uh, like fully, you know, be like, oh, your life is real similar to mine. But I find facets of my life to be similar to other people's and I can relate to a lot of different people. And, and that has definitely led to me being more suitable for being a leader in my community. Um, having the ability to be, you know, uh, sympathetic to other people's experiences and what they're going through, you know, has, has led to me having a position of leadership in my community that is, you know, based upon my experience. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good, uh, as place as I need to stop, um, I want to thank you guys both for, for coming on. It's been, uh, the pleasure has been all mine and it's truly been informative on my end. And I hope for our listeners, you guys took away as much from this conversation as I have. Um, before I let you go, um, I'll let you guys each, you know, plug anything or, or, or give any shout outs. Aziz, we'll start with you. Um, anything you want to plug or, or give a shout out to before we let you? <laughs> Aziz is being modest. Uh, everyone, go yeah, go is. check out History of Westeros, please. Uh, if you are a fan of the books, um, they are currently, as I mentioned, uh, doing a reread project. Um, pr pretty. Oh, I plug the Witcher podcast. Oh, that's yes, yeah. So not a lot of people don't know the about podcast that. Of surprise. Started, the podcast of surprise. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Witcher books. They're really fun and. Um, the show is going to bring a lot of new readers to it. So I think it's a nice growing fandom. That'll be a nice community uh, uh, as well. And um, I encourage people to check out the books and then check out our podcast and have fun with that. And as you guys well. are doing a little book club <laughs> right now, right? Yeah, we we're about to release our first like spoiler episode, but we're doing each short story one at a time and then we'll do chapter by chapter, which is roughly the same length as the short story. So that works out nicely. But yeah, we did a, a spoiler episode talking about um, kind of history of Westeros style where quotes and material from a variety of d different chapters all to, to talk about very specific subjects that's, that are strewn throughout that are hard to focus on um, the way they're presented. But when put together, they make really interesting stories and, and uh, really make the world shine a lot more. The world building really comes out. And I can uh, attest as a, as a listener of that podcast, it, it is a fantastic uh listen if you are a fan of the books or the show 
I, I would suggest checking that out um, as he's joined by Mika and Kyle uh, on that. And then, uh, River, anything on, on your end you want to uh, give a shout-out to or, or plug before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Aziz, like, everything that he does is gold. Huge fan. I discovered him right after Dan Carlin. And, you know, his, he has been a huge influence in my, in my uh, you know, intake of media in the last, like, 10 years. Um, but also, you know, uh, check out if you're interested in heathenry at all. You know, Hellscape Heathen Kindred has a Facebook page, a Facebook group that is public, and we kind of let people know what we're doing. Um, we also have other, you know, uh, basic uh, heathen groups in in America that are that are really good, um, that are linked on our page and on our group, that can provide you with local resources if you're interested. Um, you know, uh, new dad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Super fun. Check out um, check out New Dad podcast. Yeah. Please, you know, go check out Heathery. Uh, check out uh, the podcast of Surprise. Uh, give History of Westeros uh, a subscription on YouTube and uh, and a rate and review. Uh, always, not just them, but New Dad podcast as well. Uh, both of you, thank you so much again. And uh, you know, spent a, a lot of time talking to me tonight. I, I appreciate that. Um, I look forward to speaking with you in the History of Westeros Facebook group uh, here in the near future, Absolutely. which is uh, you know where we do a lot of our uh, our conversing. Um, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Thank the you. pleasure was all mine, and uh, Prod Boss, take us away.